We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, welcome in, and we are with you all the way up until midnight. So if you want to weigh in on this one after the Sox take out the Cardinals 6-5, to five, man, that got way too close for comfort. You certainly can weigh in. 617-779-7937, the number. What did you make of Tanner Houck in the ninth inning? Obviously not particularly sharp, but he did come back and have the huge strikeout, of course, over Paul Goldschmidt. Also on the table, Michael Walker's performance, and we got an update on Nathan Avaldi that he's progressing slower than the Red Sox originally thought as he makes his way back from low back inflammation. So all that on the table at 617-779-7937, the number. Oh, and the other big thing is this. Is this the night that gets Trevor's story back on track? Because it did feel like after what transpired yesterday, this is a really important game for Trevor's story. And I felt like, okay, if he didn't get a hit tonight, you may want to give him a mental day. And give him a break because he had really been struggling at the plate. But it did feel like maybe tonight's effort gets him going again. Because look, and I know that it wasn't exactly the biggest hit in the world in terms of he didn't crush the ball. But he did what he needed to do there when the Red Sox had an opportunity to take that lead when Story comes up. And I think it's really important that guys get on in front of Story because he is a really good run producer. But in that bottom of the fourth inning, it's a 1-1 game. And you have J.D. single to start off the inning. Then Bogarts doubles to right field on a two-seamer that was up and in. And this is a really good inning for the Red Sox just from a hitting standpoint where J.D., as we've come to know with J.D., he goes the opposite way. Bogarts does the same thing. He got a two-seamer up he, and in. He hits that the opposite way. Verdugo, a swinging bunt. Verdugo did not have a good night at the plate whatsoever. But then Story comes up. And this felt like this is a really big moment for Story. He had a couple of really nice plays in the field tonight, and he's been great in the field all season long. But nonetheless, Story then singles away from the shift. Now, he did hit it 101.8 miles per hour off the bat, but it was one of those things where he just hit it away from the vacated shift. You bring in two runs there, you make it a 3-1 to one game. And if you look at Story, he still provides really good defense throughout the season he has. Now, yesterday they had that whole miscue Cora talked about that. That was more on Duran than it was Story. Duran should have called off Story and taken charge there. But the overwhelming point is he goes 0 for 5 yesterday. He has the three strikeouts. He's in a real big slump right now. You needed to get him going. And I do want he made big contact later on in the game. Didn't get a hit for it, but a nice swing. You do wonder if this sort of gets him going after the performance tonight. All right, before we go any further, let's hear from the manager, Alex Cora. Yeah, I mean, uh, he did a good job. Um, good fastball, good changeup. Um, um, pitch inside against those guys. And uh, he did a good job in that spot. It was 
with all the righties behind, behind we, we went to Schreiber, you know, well rested, and um, you know, just pushing, you know, where what we did, and uh, you know, gave us a chance to win. But uh, you know, he wasn't feeling great in Seattle, uh, and for him to bounce back, I know, you know, he won't say it. But I know it was a good one for him, important for him. And uh, he's a pro. He prepares. He makes adjustments throughout the game. And um, you know, we, t- we talk about it. What he did towards the end of the season last year, making adjustments, getting away from um, what they were trying to do early on. Although early on it, it worked. But he, he felt like he needed to make adjustments. And, you know, um, you know he's been solid. He's been solid. I mean, uh, veteran. Um, I was. We were talking about when, when he started pitching, like you know who he faced and all that. You know, everybody remembers that big breaking ball to Carlos, right, in the playoffs. But uh, he's been consistent, and uh, you know he's been going seven innings against everybody. You can tell, you know, like just like like Michael making adjustment throughout the game. Uh, it's different with with without Yadi behind. Um, you know, we look for tendencies and certain things, and today was a lot different than what we expected. But we put some good at bats. Uh, you know, we've been talking about backtracking the ball and going the other way, and Trevor did that with two strikes. He got the big hit, and um, you know, well, we did enough offensively to win the game. Yeah, we're we're doing a lot of good things, and uh, yeah, I mean, that last inning it got interesting, but you expect that against them, you know, they they played just like us till the last out, and uh, they put some good at bats. We put ourselves in bad situations, right, to get that 27th out, but overall we ran the bases well. We played great defense. We pitch well, so uh, you know, like I've been saying all along, you know, like we, we have a good baseball team. We we do, and uh, you know, where we at right now is where we at, and uh, we we won a lot of games to get to this point. Uh, we didn't start the season the way we wanted, and I said it all along. We have to work very hard to get to the point, you know, that we are in the conversation, and I think we are, you know, and then. Uh, we're playing good baseball. We're playing really good baseball. Yeah, I, I've been saying um, some, like, I play with some good defenders. And uh, the combination of being quick and fast, not too many guys have that. And he gains ground. Yeah, he does. And uh, I know a lot of people have their doubts with the throwing part of it. It's been money, money. On the run, taking his time. There was actually, you know, he made all those plays. Uh, the one with men at third, I think it was, two outs in the fifth, you know, the backhand and the shift. For me, that's that was the toughest play of them all because you have to be on point on the grass, get through it and put in on money at first base. It's a routine play, but in that spot, it's not. It's not. And uh, you know, turning little plays and talking to the guys, and uh, I know it's been a grind for him, but uh, he doesn't take a play off. And uh, he, he's been, I, I mean, like right now, 
I can say that probably he's the best defensive second baseman in the big leagues. Oh, wow. I like that from Core at the end there, that he's the best defensive second baseman in the entire sport. If you look at some of the metrics, outs above average that StatCast has, he's up there. He's ranked third, tied for third when it comes to that. Defensive run saved, he's second for all second basemen. So you definitely have an argument if you're Alex Cora. And I look at some of those plays he made tonight. The thing that Cora points out that I totally agree with is he's just so rangy. The speed is absolutely ridiculous with Story. And if you look at it now, he's really helped this Red Sox team. Right now they entered today. They were tied for third in defensive run saves in all of Major League Baseball. They entered the week first, and then, of course, they did not have the best defensive game against Oakland yesterday. But they're tied for third in defensive run saved. <laughs> they have 30. Last year, they were 18th with four. So, yes, story has been frustrating at the plate, and I'll get into that in greater detail in just a little bit here. It has been aggravating that he had basically that two weeks where he exploded. He was slumping at the beginning of the season. He's slumping again now. I hope going the other way sort of gets him going. As Cora said, they're trying to backtrack the ball. You saw it with J.D. You saw it with Xander Bogarts. Hopefully this gets story going offensively. But you cannot dispute the defense. And his impact at second base has certainly helped the rest of the guys there. Now, I'm not diminishing what Devers has done because Devers has made a massive improvement at third base this season. There's no way around that. But this team went from the defense being a liability last year. It was something we talked about entering the ALCS against the Astros. We had these conversations. The Red Sox were dead last in Major League Baseball in defensive efficiency. They were 18th as it pertains to defensive runs saved. They made the second most errors in baseball behind the Miami Marlins, so the most in the American League. And Houston, on the other side, was an elite defensive team. And they're a good defensive team. Again, their only real liability is Alvarez. But (laughs) you'll take that based on what that dude can do with the plate, right? But you get the overwhelming point. This defense has been a lot better than it was a season ago. It's a strength of the team that we questioned. I don't want to say we questioned coming into the season, but we were interested to see if Devers would make a jump and the impact the story would have. So you can definitely feel that from a defensive perspective. I like that after the game, especially to... Like, Cora knows how to treat his players. That's the thing, right? I mean, you think about this. This guy is going through a slump. But he comes to the ballpark every day, and he gives you elite-level second base play, and Cora is making sure that his player knows that. I absolutely love that about Cora. Because that shouldn't go under the radar. When you have a guy playing elite-level defense, it shouldn't fly under the radar like that. And Story's been great defensively. Now let's just get him going offensively, huh? 617-779-7937, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's kick it off tonight with Wally in Fall River. Hey, Wally. What's up, Brian? We really had to sweat this game out. Uh, I, know. I flicked it off for about a minute when it was 6-1, and I switched over to SmackDown, and I watched Brock Lesnar to come back and wipe the flow with the Usos and Roman Reigns. So there then I switched, back, I switched back to the Red Sox, and it was 6-5. I said, what happened? But... Uh, <laughs> Hein Bloom, you know, we're playing good now. Uh, the bullpen is, is, is still an Achilles heel. I don't care what anybody says. But uh, still, if I was Hein Bloom, you don't know what the story with Evaldi is now. But uh, this team's that are out of it now, Brian. I'm sure you can make a deal. You don't have to wait six weeks. But uh, it was a good night overall when you consider Baltimore beat uh, Tampa Bay and, and the Yankees bombed uh, the uh, Blue Jays. But... Uh, you're still, you're going to have to do something with that bullpen, Brian. 
Yeah, I just I, I feel like on that, Wally, unlike last year, I do think there are actual legitimate internal solutions that we could see. One of them, and look, I know he wasn't super sharp tonight in Hulk. I mean, out of the three batters, he didn't throw a first pitch strike. I like that he came back and he got Goldschmidt. Obviously, you don't like him to give up the two hits when he comes in. In his defense, I don't believe he thought he was pitching tonight. It was a 6-1 game. But, Wally, I do feel like with him, the fact that, okay, maybe eventually you can put Whitlock back there. And you got some of these guys at the minor league level that maybe you could bring up in uh, Bayo and down the stretch of the season. So we'll see if they use some of those guys there. And, I mean, we saw last year, Heimblum's not going to not make a move at the deadline if they need help there. So I would say, yeah, they definitely need help in the bullpen. But I feel like there's more options this year than last year. Oh, and Wally, the other thing is this. They're going to get Taylor back. Taylor was really good for this team last year. Right, but uh, still, Brian, uh it's it's still well. We have still had what fourteen blown saves, but uh, yeah. like I said, you'll be able it's to get somebody. It's been an issue. Somebody. I agree. Yeah, it's been but an issue. You'll, you'll be able to get somebody. You know, you, yeah. you can't. If Sale comes back, they're going to baby him. Even Paxton, you're not going to get six, seven innings out of Sale and Paxton. So you're going to have to beef up. You know, you uh, maybe you could squeeze somebody like yeah. Uh, I don't know about the Angels, but they'll be out of it in five weeks. Iglesias. But I think he's got, what, well, three more years happen. on his well, I don't think, Yeah, I don't think they can do that, Wally. I appreciate the call. They just signed him to a big-term, long-term contract extension, so that's not going to happen. But I will say, like, that's one of the issues I had with Bloom in the offseason. It's like there's all these relievers. The market was huge as it pertains to relief pitchers. He didn't sign anybody of any meaning. The one guy he identified was Diekman, and Diekman's out there the other night in a blowout, right? When Kowski was unbelievable in that game, Diekman was the one negative thing you could take away from that game the other night. So as it pertains to the bullpen, my thing the whole season has been, and prior to the season, this wasn't me second-guessing it, Bloom did not do a good job, enough job building that. Now, the starting rotation, he deserves a ton of credit. Walk has been great. Rich Hill has been really good for you. Remember, he got Pavetta for Heath Embry and Brandon Workman, and Seabold was part of that equation as well. Whitlock, even though I like him more as a reliever, that's a Rule 5 pick from Heimblum. So he does deserve some credit there. I just didn't like the way they entered the season with the bullpen. But you do have guys at the minor league level, and the Taylor thing cannot be underrated. That guy was incredible for this team last year. Now, he threw a bullpen the other day. He's going to face live hitters eventually. They could really use him, especially considering Austin Davis, one of the guys you're relying on as a lefty out of the pen. He was horrible tonight. Bottom line, no way around it. He was bad. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right, a lot to do tonight here on Red Sox Review. So I will give you the update on Nathan Evaldi as he makes his way back from low back inflammation or low back soreness. What did I say? Low back back inflammation. He's got inflammation in his back, okay? And he was having a hip issue because of that. We'll get into that in greater detail. What did you make of Tanner Houck tonight? Michael Walker's on the table As well, and I do also want to get to this Trevor Story situation. Is tonight the night that turns Trevor Story's slump around? Because he was great for two weeks, he's been slumping. I did like Alex Cora coming out and saying that he's the best defensive second baseman in all of Major League Baseball. So if you want to weigh in on any of it, it's all on the table at 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you here on EI. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I know a lot of people have their doubts with the throwing part of it. It's been money, money on the run, taking his time. There was actually, you know, he made all those plays. Uh, the one with men at third, I think it was, two outs in the fifth, you know, the backhand in the shift. For me, that's that was the toughest play of them all because you have to be on point on the grass, get through it and put in on money at first base. It's a routine play, but in that spot, it's not. It's not. And, uh, Turning little plays and talking to the guys, and uh, I know it's been a grind for him, but uh, he doesn't take a playoff. And uh, he, he's been, I, I mean, like right now, uh, I can say that probably he's the best defendi- defensive second baseman in the big leagues. There it was tonight. I like it. That was his walk-off, too. Alex Gore leaves the media tonight. Yeah, he's the best defensive shortstop in the big leagues. And if you look at it by the metrics, he definitely has an argument. I mean, right now... He is third of all second baseman and defensive runs saved. Actually, Tommy Edmond, who plays for St. Louis, is number one. But Story's got six defensive runs saved. The only two guys in front of him are Edmond and Torres, and we've seen Torres play a lot. Trevor Story, I can tell you, is a better second baseman than Glabar Torres. I mean, bottom line, I don't see Edmond play on an everyday basis to evaluate that, but Story is a better defensive baseman than Torres. But Alex Hora definitely has an argument here. I mean, Story, the thing that sticks out to you is the range. He makes some ridiculous plays, and he made some huge plays tonight on a def- from a defensive perspective. And even if you go back to the post-game interview that Joe and Will did, you had Alex Cora talking about, or excuse me, had Michael Walker talking about some of the plays that Story made. I mean, you go to that top of the third inning when the leadoff hitter, Bader, Walker got him to ground out, but that was an absolutely insane play by Story to pick that up. And he did the same thing in the fifth inning as well. And the offense, it has not been the way that you want it to be, except that little stretch that he had in the middle of the season, or not the middle of the season, the middle of the season so far. And it was an insane stretch. You'd like to see more of that. But from a defensive perspective, the transition from shortstop, you knew with the range that he had at shortstop, he was an elite defensive player at shortstop. You knew that that would translate over to second base, and it certainly has. And the Red Sox have definitely benefited from story defensively. There's no way around that. They are a very good defensive team this year. One of the best in the big leagues from a, and this isn't me just saying this optically, my observation, but my observation does match the data. When you look at them, they're top five in defensive run saved last year when they were 18th a season ago. 
617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Sean in Worcester. What's up, Sean? Hey, what's up? How hey, you doing, man? I got, uh, I got two points tonight. Okay. I'm going to hit, hit you with them, and then I'm going to let you listen. When Whitlock comes back, make him the closer. They need a closer. So you're out on Hulk after and, this outing tonight? No, no, Hulk doesn't. When when they bring Hulk and uh, Schreiber and they they throw about the same angle, and people can catch catch up to that. You know, Hulk came in and, after Davis, right, Sean? Yeah, but but uh, but but yeah, but Schreiber was in. But sometimes they bring Schreiber in, and then they bring Hulk in, and they throw at the same angle, the arm angle. They they rarely and, bring Hulk in but, after Schreiber, Sean. Well, no, I don't even know if it's I've happened this year, has it? I, I can't remember a time that it has. I've and they don't throw from the same times. angle either. Okay, what's your next point? But but the other point is is all all, all the all the uh, big hitters getting hit. You know, Rafael and yep. Martinez and everything like that. Because the other day when Matt, when Rafael got hit, he, he looked like he was so pissed that he was going to charge the mound. And yeah, that has I been a thing, play. Sean. I appreciate the call, man. Sorry, you sound like you're a little bit sleepy tonight. But that has been a thing, and Cora talked about it on the pregame show with Will, and he talked about it the other day as well. It is getting a little bit ridiculous, and I do agree with what something that Cora said, and I'll make it a little bit more colorful, but Cora talked about the fact that it's fine to pitch inside, but you can't keep hitting guys, and that's where I look at some of the stuff that's happened over the past couple of days, especially with this Oakland A's team. If you're not good enough to pitch inside, you shouldn't be doing it because it's dangerous. These guys, Rafael Devers could have been injured for a while. Xander Bogarts got hit tonight, right? We see it all the time. Teams are trying to pitch this Red Sox team inside. If you cannot do it, you shouldn't be do- throwing 95 at guys, okay? That's the reality of the situation, and I don't like it whatsoever, okay? And I understand they're not trying to do it, but be professional about it. It's unprofessional to continue to hit guys, and we saw it with this damn Oakland A's team, and I will say this, we saw it with the Seattle Mariners as well. So this is the problem. The Red Sox offense, it, not the problem for, for the Red Sox, but the Red Sox are really good right now. So teams are trying to get them off the plate. They're throwing them inside, but they're not good enough. And if you're not good enough, the reality is that is damaging. You can injure a guy for the season the way that you're doing this crap. So enough's enough with hitting this team. Now, I don't have a problem with a guy like Wainwright doing it because he's been an outstanding pitcher for a number of years. That guy's a professional. But that crap that was going on with the A's and that crap that was happening with the Seattle Mariners, that crap is not professional. That has got to get cleaned up. And this is a problem. This continues to happen to the Red Sox, and it's not on them. It's on the opposition. Some of these horrible teams across the sport, Seattle, I guess they're not technically horrible, but they're not an impressive pitching staff, if you will. And that A's team is a complete embarrassment. It's a joke to the sport, and if you cannot pitch the ball inside, don't do it because you're going to get somebody hurt. And they could have Devers could have got really hurt yesterday. 617-779-7937, the number. Sorry, I don't want to go into complete digression there, but it is irritating. Sean brought it up. It's a good point. I mean, the first point was not a good one that Sean made about how coming in after Schreiber that doesn't have, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but his second point was a good point. It was a valid point. That crap has got to stop. 
Now, I don't know if that's what motivated these guys to hit today. <laughs> I would just say they're all good hitters. Bogarts, all three of those guys hit north of 300. Rafael Devers has the most hits in the entire sport. J.D. Martinez came in today third in batting average in the entire sport. So I don't think they were so motivated by getting hit. I think it's just they're elite players and they're going to hit. So I, I disagree with that part. But the part about hitting guys, that crap's going to stop. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Richard in Rhode Island. What's going on, Rich? Hey, how's it going, Brian? Good. I appreciate you having me. I just want to get to, you know, we got a good team here, these Red Sox. I like the way they're hitting. Obviously, the talk is we need arms. Who are we looking to add? And then um, what young prospects ahead of the trade deadline are we looking to get rid of? Well, I would say this, Richard, speaking of young prospects, they got a guy in Bayo that could factor in at the major league level at some point this season. Winkowski is going to make another start coming up. So I don't think the pitching thing is as barren as everybody thinks it is. They are absolutely loaded at the AAA level. And let's not dismiss the fact they're going to get Sale back and they're going to get Paxton back as well, which means you're going to have too many starters, which then leads to the possibility of Whitlock heading back to the bullpen. All right. So, so and Taylor's coming back more, as well, Richard. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good points here. Um, you know, I'm reading articles. We're looking to shop Duran around. Um, who, who I don't know wrote what that? we think about that. Uh, I read it today. I Where? Read it today, uh, from a local guy? Yahoo, Yahoo, Yahoo. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. I thought Duran had a nice swing tonight. I'll tell you that on the triple. I love Duran. Believe me, I want a guy like that. We need speed in this lineup, and going forward, he could be. Yeah, a I'll tell you what, Richard. For the next five yeah. six years, Richard, appreciate the call, my friend. I'll tell you why I don't believe that. I appreciate the call. I'm not saying that Duran is off limits or anything along those lines, right? That we're not talking about Tristan Cassis or Marcelo Mayer. But when I look at a guy like Duran, you got to factor this in as well. Kike Hernandez, and actually, I give Bradfoe credit for this. So rare, good point by Bradfoe. Very rare that Bradfoe makes a good point. He did, though. Think about Kike Hernandez, who is on the injured list right now. But also, he's in a walk year. He's a free agent after this season. So when you look at it from that perspective, Duran could step in and be a starter in that outfield next season. So that's something to keep in mind when you're looking at Duran. Look, I'm not saying that the Red Sox are not going to add a bullpen arm. But I feel a lot better than I did like two weeks ago based on what we've seen and based on some of the moves that are being made at the minor league level, the progress of sale, and hopefully Paxton as well. And then you do have the leeway down the stretch here to move Whitlock. Now, Cora did say today that Whitlock is expected to be activated after the 15 days, and he will go back into the rotation. But that's for now. That could eventually change. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Steve in Framingham. What's going on, Steve? Hey, uh, I, w- I like what you're saying about Trevor's story, and I'd called you before about uh, Jaron Duran Duran, and, and you weren't a fan a few weeks ago, but I'm hoping he sticks and he hits for them. Um, I was just going to give you a little history, too. One of the things I like right now with the Red Sox, um, especially with Duran up and Frenchie Cordero, it's, uh, they talk about Eli Whitney, interchangeable parts, right? And I think that, that that's the key right now is you have some of these guys that you can plug in. You can ship Jackie Bradley around as well. 
and Bobby Dahl back, and that way you can play the hot guys and you have some good guys coming off the bench as well. Just think it makes for a really interesting Well, and that's what I loved about tonight, Steve, is you did see some depth with this team, right? So, okay, so early in the game, Duran triples. Great. And he actually made some nice plays in the field. I don't think he has a great jump out there, but he makes out makes up for it rather with his speed. Now, that's just me. I, I just don't believe he has a great jump out there, but he made a really nice catch tonight. I'll give him that. And, of course, he made a nice catch the other day as well. And the big triple tonight, which gets you going. The Red Sox need to get going early in this game. In these games, that's been an issue with the leadoff hitter. You realize this season, the mm-hmm. Red Sox leadoff hitters in the first inning have 12 hits. They're batting 200 in the first inning. So getting Duran, getting on the bases, obviously massive, even though J.D. grounds in to a double play later on in that inning. But when Duran comes up in, what was it, the seventh inning, you have a mm-hmm. situation where they bring in a soft-throwing lefty in McFarland that doesn't throw anything over 90 miles an hour. So Jackie singles off him. The idea was, hey, get Jackie out and let's get out of the inning. The plan was for him to face one batter, but he has to face three. So then Cora counters, to your point about depth, they take out Duran. They pinch hit Bobby Dahl back, and he doubles on that changeup that was down in the zone. Soft throwing lefty, perfect matchup for a guy like Bobby Dahl back. And that's something until the trading deadline last year. The Red Sox really did not have depth. Remember, Steve, we're going through the Danny Santana thing. Remember that guy? Oh, my God, did he suck. So now you actually have some legitimate depth. I'm with you on that. And I think, too, if you get Verdugo batting fifth and you get Trevor Story batting sixth, that's a very deep lineup, right? Yeah. And then you have two guys hitting behind him. But if you can get somebody like Duran at the top of the lineup hitting and then you have really you know, all-star players, two, three, and four, coming up right behind him, that they're going to be in good shape. And again, Yankees are ridiculous right now, right? But it's a long season. Yeah. And, anything, you know, you watch and look, I, I don't care, Series, Steve. But... Like, I, I don't really care. Like, yes, I know when they won the World Series at 18, they won the division, but they didn't win the World. They didn't win the division in 04 when they won. I, I don't care about winning. Right. I just care about getting in the tournament, and this team's going to get in, in the, the tournament. Absolutely right. Like the Braves last year, right? They they got in. They were like an average yeah. team, and then all of a sudden they got hot. They're wild cards. Yeah, Sox could do it. They get some pitching, and I like, too, if, if Sale comes back, too, though the pitching depth's going to look a lot better. Yeah, so and that's I'm another... I'm excited. I think it'll be a good, yeah. Steve, be a good summer. Yeah, Steve, I appreciate the call, my friend. That's another interesting thing. Cora said that he's further along this year than he was last year. Remember, he's coming back from the rib thing. Last year, he's coming back from the Tommy John. He's throwing 95-96 the other day, which is obviously a good thing going forward. By the way, did you see who was tracking pitches when Sale was throwing the other day? Grant Williams. He's in the box. <laughs> Didn't help Grant Williams in game six. Sale told Sale said, I think the quote was, what are you doing here? Yeah, you should have been getting ready for the game because Grant sucked, man. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So there's a lot of meat on the bone tonight with this Red Sox team. What do you make of Cora's comments that Story is the best second baseman in Major League Baseball? And do you believe that Story is about to go and get on one of these hot streaks again after being ice cold for a while? Some uh, Another guy in the lineup that I was impressed with tonight, I'll tell you who that is, and we will get to the Nathan Evaldi situation as it's going to take him a little bit longer to come back. But there is a positive in that. I'll tell you what that is in just a little bit here on EI. Crash and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's an easier choice than ever with our exciting and fuel-efficient lineup now. Get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store in NissanUSA.com. Well, it was a little too close for comfort, but the Red Sox did beat the Cardinals tonight 6-5. to The ninth inning, 
It got a little questionable there, but the Red Sox do come out with the win. Michael Walker, 6-30, gave up just one earned, a solo home run to Nolan Arenado. You know what I was shocked about tonight? Nolan Arenado actually misplayed a ball. Now, Bogarts did get a hit on the play, and I still I believe that was the right score. But Arenado went to backhand a ball, slightly came out of his glove. He had to get back, pick it up, throw it across the diamond after Bogarts had just taken a ball off the leg. So I give Bogarts credit for beating that out. But I was shocked to see Nolan Arenado misplay a ball. The guy has the most defensive run saved in Major League Baseball for a third baseman since he made his debut, and it's not close. 144, second is Machado at 96. I did not expect to see that happen. All right, Rafael Devers on the night, two for three with a pair of RBIs. What else is new? So Devers now, he's played in 14 games this month. He's hit safely in 12 of them. (laughs) The guy is just ridiculous. Trevor Story broke up a 1-1 tie with a two-run single. Big. See if they can get Story going. The Sox and the Cardinals play the second of their three-game set Saturday night at Fenway. It's going to be a 17 first pitch across the Shaws and Star Market. WEI Red Sox Network. You can tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 6.15. That's sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Cutter Crawford's going to get the start in that one. He was really good last Sunday. Much better in his start than he had, than he was in the bullpen prior to getting sent down. Meanwhile, Alex Cora said today that Nate Evaldi's progression from low back inflammation has been slower than the team expected, and he is likely to remain out beyond 15 days. Garrett Whitlock is expected to return when the when he's activated off the 15-day IL. He was dealing with a hip issue, Nate Evaldi, a back issue. U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline. Colin Marikawa and Joel Damon share the lead at five under par. John Rahm and Rory McIlroy, one stroke back at four under par. So this does look like a nice leaderboard. Should be a fun weekend. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. All right, welcome back in. And we are with you up until midnight as the Red Sox take out the Cardinals tonight, 6-5. to five. Important to take the first game of the series against Wainwright, who is their best, best pitcher. Dakota Hudson is pitching for them tomorrow. This guy is last in Major League Baseball amongst qualifiers in whiff rate. He doesn't make anybody miss. Or I should say he's last in strikeout rate. He's 56th out of 60 guys in whiff rate. So the Red Sox should have an afternoon tomorrow. But getting Wainwright, beating Wainwright, that to me was very important for this team. The other thing I want to mention real briefly here is, you know about the sales situation. He was throwing the other day. He's going to pitch in a minor league game. He's going down to Fort Myers. Then he has to pitch in a minor league game before he comes back up. So that's exciting just to see him. And I do have more optimism. Guys are usually better the second year after Tommy John than the first year they come back. So I am excited about that. But I don't want to get too excited just because we have seen this with Sale before. But the other thing about Avaldi not being available. The Red Sox are in a spot right now where they're starting to roll. So just make sure you get him back healthy. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to take care of the player. They thought he was going to be back sooner than he's going to be back. But the one silver lining in this is Winkowski, of course, he's going to pitch against the Tigers. I want to see Winkowski again. Because, yeah, it was against a very bad A's lineup, but the process was there with Winkowski the other day. He got a bunch of ground balls, and now if you look at it, and he wasn't even good in the opener. You look at his eight innings, he has a 55.6% ground ball rate, which only two qualified starters have a ground ball rate north of 56% this year, and it's two really good pitchers, Framber Valdez and Logan Webb. The other thing is this. Now his launch angle is at six degrees. That's a ground ball. Only four qualified starters have a launch angle south of six degrees. So Winkowski is never going to be this guy that completely blows you away with his stuff. But I did really enjoy it. And maybe you disagree with me. I really enjoyed the other day watching him pitch because 
He is a guy that reminds me of like what Derek Lowe used to do, where he just gets a million ground ball outs, and I want to see Winkowski get another opportunity. So I want to see Winkowski get another chance, another crack at it here. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Stevie in Centerville. What's up, Stevie? Yeah, thanks, man. So, Brian, give me your take on who's out there for the Red Sox to pick up as a relief pitcher. I mean, oh. you know, not – I like this. Okay, Stevie, I got two guys for you. Okay, the first one, I'll give you two guys. David Robertson from, he's with the Cubs this year. Remember him, former Yankee. So I was actually actually looking at this earlier before the show. So on the season right now, 34.7% strikeout rate and a 2.1 or an 11.6% walk rate, which is not great, but 34.7% in terms of his strikeout rate. And opponents hitting 155. So that's one guy. The other guy who's a stud is David Bedner of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you look at his numbers this season, strikeout rate 35.6%, 5.9% walk rate, opponents hitting 162. So those are two guys that the Red Sox could certainly add to their pen. Could certainly help. Both guys are righties, and they're going to get Taylor back. So I'd much rather them add a righty than a lefty. And the other thing about adding a righty is think about the good lineups in this division, right? The Yankees, it's Judge, it's Stanton, it's LeMahieu, it's Torres. You look at the Blue Jays, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it's the Springers of the world, the Bo Bichettes of the world, the Gurriels of the world. Both those teams very right-handed heavy. So if I'm adding a reliever, I want to add a righty. Do you think the Red Sox have the wherewithal and the commitment to win to make those signings? Yeah, I think they do, Stevie, because of the fact, if you think about one of the things that Bloom wanted to do when he got here was he wanted to improve the farm system, and he has done that, right? So now you're working this year compared to last year. You're working in terms of more of a position of strength and depth in terms of what you can actually do at the trading deadline where you can give up prospects and feel like, okay, well, we have a surplus at that particular position, so we're not going to be hurt by giving up this type of player. So I do feel like they're in a much better position to make a move this year than they were last year. And the other thing I would say is this. You don't know what the future holds with this organization. Now, they have more control over it than we do, but think about this. Devers is up in two years. They better get that thing done. Bogarts is up after the season. JD is up after the season. Kike Hernandez is up after the season. Nathan Avaldi is up after the season. This is the time. The Red Sox have to go for it at the trading deadline. Appreciate it, Brian. I mean, I'm with you, man. I I just hope they do it this year. Yeah, good stuff, Stevie. I appreciate the call, my friend. I will give Bloom credit when it comes to this. Now, you can say, argue, well, some of it was because of the value. But Hansel Robles worked out for this team last year. Didn't this year, but he did. And he actually was good in April. But he has not worked out this year. But he was definitely part of the solution last year. You don't get to the postseason last year without Hansel Robles. That's just the reality of it. (laughs) He was like their best reliever outside of Garrett Whitlock down the stretch of the season. Now, of course, gave up the home run to Kiermaier. But you get my point. He was good for the team. And then Schwarber was the best bat that moved at the deadline. The problem with Schwarber was... You just didn't have anywhere to put him from a defensive perspective. But he did do a decent job at the deadline based on what he was working with. Schwarber, you gave up Aldo Ramirez, who was the 18th prospect in your organization. The guy's like five years old. So that wasn't a big deal whatsoever. So I do expect him to make a move. And those are two names that I would just throw out there in terms of relievers that are going to be available. I would go after a right-handed reliever based on the teams you play, the Blue Jays, and, of course, the Yankees. And remember... Tanner Houck, not going to be available when you go to Toronto. So you do want to add another guy in that bullpen 
from the right side because Houck's not going to be there. Let's get to Jonathan in Brookline. Jonathan, what's up, man? A lot of traffic over there with the uh, U.S. Open. Yeah, it took me like, like I could bike somewhere in 15 minutes. It took me 40 minutes in a car. Whoa. That, that's how crazy this is. All right, let's get into the Sox. I, I, I haven't felt this way about this team since the beginning of the year. I don't know how you can't be hopeful at this part of the season. I know the bullpen kind of imploded away in this game, but if we just look ahead, and I know you were doing this a couple nights ago, if we look ahead, say, when we get Chris Sale back, and now you look at how the bullpen is shaped up, I wrote down like five or six guys, which at that point I have trust when they come in the game. So let's start with Schreiber. You guys have been absolutely nails. Davis, I know he was bad tonight, but I feel confident when he goes on the mound to the tune of like, what, a 1-5 ERA. Hauk is their closer. Danish has been sneaky, really good. Whitlock, I think when Sale comes back, he should move to the bullpen. And Strom, you have him, who's been pretty nasty all year except for, like, one or two bad islands recently, and then Winkowski. So if you look at it, you have a kind of, like, five or six guys who are really capable relief pitchers in this bullpen, not to mention picking up someone, someone like David Bernard from the Pirates at the trade deadline. You look up, and suddenly you have a good rotation, great lineup, especially if Story and Verdugo and Franchi get going, and a great starting great starting pitching and great bullpen. So I think if you just add one piece and get sale back, you could really have a crack at something like the ALCS again. Yeah, Jonathan, I'm with you for the most part. I, I think Bednar would be a nice ad. I would like to get another guy from the right side in terms of the bullpen. And Schreiber, you're right on with him. I mean, I, I think his stuff is just really difficult for guys to pick up because it's an odd deliver, if you will. He was good again tonight. And Strom. Strom was really good tonight. So he, in that eighth inning, he got Edmund to fly out on a changeup. After he walked out of it, he comes back two impressive guys that you have to go up against. Goldschmidt and, of course, Arenado. He gets Goldschmidt to fly out weekly on a four-seamer and gets Arenado to follow out on a curveball. So I like what we've seen from Strom so far this season. I would still like them to go out there and add another arm if they could in terms of the bullpen. But for the most part, I'm with you that the bullpen has looked a lot better as of late. It's just the guys, the Braziers of the world, the Salamores of the world, the Deekmans of the world. Those are the guys that really cost you at the beginning of the season. And I want to see less and less of those guys. Yeah, I completely agree, Brian. I've just come to the realization that guys like Brazier, Salamura, Deekman, Robles, at this point in, in the Red Sox career and their career, in 2022, they're not just, they're not good pitchers. Like, yeah. they are just not good. Like, we have no time to say, oh, Deekman, Deekman showing signs. Like, no, I'm done with that. Like, yeah, I am too. Because, you know, we have a five run lead. Yeah, but, Jonathan, the thing like, about that guy that irritates you too is just he doesn't throw strikes. That's the issue. So he's always putting a guy on base. He's getting himself in trouble. So, yeah, I can't take it with the Deekman thing. That's why you saw the other day, Jonathan, I appreciate the call. You saw the other day, when is he coming into the game when it's six to nothing? That was the Winkowski game he came into the other day, or 8 nothing, whatever it was. That's when he's coming into a game because he's just not good enough right now. And that's one guy that Bloom sort of identified in the offseason, and it irritated me at the time because Diekman had one of his worst seasons last year. He always has walked the ballpark, but last year the ground ball rate was way down. It was at like 34%. 
And for his career, he's at nearly 50%. He's at like 46, 47%. So the reason they get a guy like Deekman is they see the value. But the problem is you didn't fix it when he came here. You can't fix every guy. 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Oh, boy. We have David in Florida. Na-na-na-na. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Goodbye. David, what's up, man? Hello, sir. Good evening. How are you? It's all Red Sox all the time now, huh? Yeah, well, this is Red Sox Review, David. Yeah, that's right. Well, I got two things for you. First, okay. I tried to get in last night after the Celtics game. And I've, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous now because you're probably going to shoot me down. But I want to compare Tatum with Mac Jones. Okay. Just on a general level. Jason Tatum is six months older than Mac Jones. What about Devers but, or Bogarts? Can we get one of those? Can we make it a three-person comparison? I, 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 I was going to bring them in, too, but I'll just go with Tatum and, and Devers. Okay. Well, I, I can't wait for this, David. Let's go. Me, Tatum, Tatum and, and Jones. Now, Tatum is six months older than, um, than Jones, but the difference is they've both been anointed leaders, the future of their franchises. They were both high-level first-round picks. But the reason why we are we as fans and you in the media, I think, are more patient and more excited with Mac. He makes better decisions. He doesn't force things. He plays with more composure. And you can say that Tatum might even have more raw talent, which he, which he does. But Mac Jones plays with more composure, more intelligence, and makes better decisions. And that's why I think he did throw he 13 interceptions, David. Hold on. He did throw 13 interceptions last season. Yeah, you're right. He did. But not all those were his fault either. And many of them, if I remember, were were in games when they were trailing. And, he, and, and David, but hold on. Let me, to, let me ask you a question, though. You do realize that Tatum was a first-team All-NBA performer this year, right? And you do realize that he was on the he was the best player on a team that made it to the NBA Finals. You do realize that, right? I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous of you to compare Jason Tatum right now to Mac Jones. Mac Jones had a nice rookie season. You're acting like I'm the only one out there who's been criticized. Who else Tatum is the past? I never said that. the The criticism of Tatum in the finals is fair. He was a complete no show last it, night. It, if in you, the playoffs, David, not just the finals, David, the he playoffs did too. In the playoffs, he had 46 the, points against the Bucks. What are you talking about? He had the yeah, most points one game. in the game. The Miami series. Okay, hey, how was Mac? How was Mac in the one game against Buffalo in the postseason? Was he great? You're right. I I don't remember what his performance was. Okay, but you remember right, Tatum. In general, it, in general, he plays with more composure. He makes better decisions. Okay. Yeah, Tatum, Tatum's decisions got his team two wins away from a championship. But yeah, and Mac Jones well, got well, absolutely you know, killed in the first round. I mean, come on, you know, David. Well, uh, Mac I mean, Jones is Mac. I don't know why you're apologizing David. David is Mac Tatum. Jones a top ten quarterback in the NFL? Uh, no, top twenty, okay. top fifteen maybe. And Jason Tatum is without question a top ten player in the NBA. So there's no comparison. Not when it counts. Not when it counts. Well, so what, what, David, was he there? He was in the finals, right? Where were all the other stars in the NBA? They weren't in the finals, right? He was. Yeah, well, now, I'm not defending his performance in the finals, but he did get his team there, right? Am I right on that or am I wrong? He was a big piece of it. Yes, yeah, so yeah, He was a big season. piece. He was the yes. best player, David. What are you talking about? He was a big piece, yes. Okay. Who was a bigger was... piece than Tatum, David? Tell me. 
I mean, I, 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 I don't, I didn't watch the regular season regularly. Oh, okay, so David, now you're going to criticize the guy, and you didn't watch him play. I mean, come on, <laughs> that is a ridiculous take. Yeah, well, I didn't watch him play. Uh, come on, comparing Mac to Tatum is just absolutely asinine. Jason Tatum was by the voters a top five player in the league this year. Okay, he was first team All NBA. He's without question a top ten player in the league. Did Jason Tatum fall on his face in the finals? Yes. Did Jason Tatum suck in the finals? Yes. But he did get his team to the NBA finals. I criticized Jason Tatum all night. I was irritated with that performance last night. Perplexed, quite frankly, with that performance. It's on the line. Your season's on the line. Jalen Brown shows up. Yeah, he turned the ball over. But he did come out with 34 points. He showed up for the fight. And what really was shocking to me last night is Jason Tatum didn't bring the necessary fight to an elimination game. And the reality is we've seen him do it before, where in Game 6 against the Bucks he did show up. In Game 7 against the Bucks he did show up. Why didn't he show up last night? It felt like he was mentally and physically beaten down. But to put Jason Tatum and Mac Jones in the same sentence and compare them as a cross-sport comparison, that is absolutely ridiculous. Like, Really, the similar comparison would be like what Rafael Devers was early in his career when he was 22 and he hit 54 doubles and he was one of the best sluggers in the sport. And he was one of the best sluggers in the sport last year. And right now you can make a really convincing argument that he's the best hitter in Major League Baseball. You could make that argument based on some of the numbers and based on how we see teams pitching him. They fear Rafael Devers. But to compare Jason Tatum to Mac Jones, Mac Jones isn't even sniffing the top 10 of quarterbacks in the NFL. Jason Tatum's already been named an all-NBA performer. He's already carried his team to, not carried, but he brought his team to an NBA Finals. And we're comparing Mac Jones to Jason Tatum. Stop. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on the Celtics bowing out, you can. But I do want to stick Red Sox as well. Oh, and I do want to get to the story point. Alex Cora said he's the best defensive second baseman in baseball. I think he's got a real convincing argument. The range is ridiculous. Some of the advanced numbers, the defensive run saves six. He's been really good when it comes to that particular category. Only two guys are in front of him when it comes to that. He does have a really good argument. Some of those plays tonight would definitely back up his argument. Like if Alex Cora was going to present his argument, you'd show some of the plays he made tonight. But I also do want to get to... Does that hit tonight try to get Trevor Story going? Will it get him going? We have some evidence. This guy is just way too streaky. I'll get to it next here on EI. Working on a weekend. All right, we're with you up until midnight, 617-779-7937, the number. By the way, I did find this interesting today. So Cora texted Christian Arroyo, who's on the COVID list, and he told them about his recipe for COVID. He said, quote, there's a recipe the Cora's have for COVID, some tea. I had to drink that like three times a day. It's a good mix of, like, honey, ginger, onion, pineapple. It sounds bad, but it's really good, actually. I'm going to have to try this next time that I get COVID. I've already had COVID twice. ginger, onion, and pineapple? Yeah. It seems like a weird... He said it doesn't sound good, but it's good. I'll have to try it. Anything, man. I feel like the onion's what throws me off. Everything else sounds good. Yeah. The pineapples, the ginger, the honey. Like, I'm in. I don't know. Maybe it's something about the onion. So I'm going to try it next time I get COVID. I can guarantee you I'm going to get COVID again. I've had it twice. It loves my, I get all the shots too. It just loves my body. So I'm sure at some point I'll get COVID again. Although I will say this, the first time I got COVID 
was like very early on in the process. That COVID sucked. Like I was like sick for seven days. It, it was awful. I mean, not I didn't. I'm not trying to exaggerate. I didn't get like hospitalized or anything, but it was bad. Like I was out of it for a couple of days. There, I had the like, body aches. It sucked. But the second time, it was nothing. Like I was sick for like half a day, and I felt fine after that. It was the Omicron variant. Omicron's got nothing, man. Omicron's weak. That's the weak stuff. Yeah, come on. The real COVID was the original. Six one seven 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 nine. 7937 the number. Let's get to Mike. He's in Connecticut. Mike, what's up, man? What's going on, buddy? Hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Where you been? I know, but you're not around and uh with the West Coast games and we were right about six games. We just had the wrong team. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The Warriors, man. That sucked. I'll tell you one thing though, and I don't want to get on Tatum too much, but he was terrible, Brian. 18 uh, you points, know, you got, Mike. How about this? Was, I mean, how about this? He shot 24% in the fourth quarter in the series, and he had 18 total points. That's three per game. And it doesn't, obviously, it doesn't work out that way. But think about that. Your best player. He uh, was the sixth leading yeah, scorer so. in the game last night. He sucked. Uh, but you know what, Brian? The whole thing, I don't, and I know you watch every game. They were at two to one, and Tatum started the downside. They were at two to one. They were up by five points. They had 14 seconds. I don't know what he did. He was dribbling the ball around, and he never even got a shot off, and that was it. They never won another game. I don't know if you remember in yeah, game, game four. Game four, that half. was the issue. And in clutch time yes. in that game, which is within five points, with the game with five minutes left in the game when it's within five points, yep. the Celtics were 0 of 6 from the field in that particular game. Mike, how about this? So to your point, the Celtics took a 91-86 lead over the Warriors with 7.32 left in the fourth quarter of that yep. game four. They could have gone up 3-1. You know what the score was yep. after that point? 228-190, oh. plus 38 Warriors. Think about that. That's terrible. Yeah, horrible. Oh. But let's talk about our team that's still alive. You know, the only thing about how he just worries me, Brian. I don't think he's really got an out pitch for a left-handed batter consistently. You know what I'm trying to say? That that's yeah, the he's team not, move yeah, they have I, to make. I, I understand your point. He's trying to throw that two-seamer more. Last year he worked on the splitter, but he doesn't really throw that this year. I understand your point. His numbers have been good against lefties. I think they just think he can do he can use the slider to get guys out. And his stuff is overpowering at times. But yeah, I understand your point. That was one of the concerns with him last year with the with the organization. They wanted him to develop a third pitch. That's why they want, or a fourth pitch, I guess, technically. They wanted him to develop something to get lefties out. So I understand your point on that. Brian, the only thing is they have the players. You know, the farm system is good. I'm not saying to give away the truth. But if you think Sale is back in healthy, you think Whitlock goes back in the bullpen, or are they going to try to go get a closer? Because the wild card now is definitely, definitely in reach. Yeah, well, Tampa I Bay, they, Mike, I think you can do both. I think you can push back Whitlock back into the bullpen when Sale comes back, and I know yeah. the Red Sox said he's going to make his next start. Sale's not back yet, of course. And I think you right. can go get a guy. There's going to be relievers. That, every year you can get a reliever. So there's going to be a reliever available if you want to get one. So I think you can do both. I don't think you have to limit yourself to one option. Let me ask you something, Brian, because I've been thinking about this, and he's a player that if they ever get him, and let's face it, they have the players to get him. If they ever get Soto, that puts him over the top, Brian. Yeah, that, would, you, would you make that move to try to get him? I mean, I believe he's one of the best five players in the sport, but I, I don't see that happening. I, that feels like to me, Mike, more of if the Washington Nationals move on from that guy who did pass on $300 million, 
that's an off-season right. move, right? You don't make that move during the regular season. You make that move in the off-season because you bring everybody to the table. You put Juan Soto on the market. You're not just bringing to yep. the table teams Didn't that are contenders. Right. You're bringing in everybody. That guy's that good. Yeah, you know, though, Brian, you get him and you put him in a lineup where he can see some pitches. He, he's, you know, him and Devers, they're probably the two best young left-handed hitters I've seen in a long time. You know, they all say Bogart, Bogart, Bogart. The guy you have to keep is Devers. He, he is just a hitting machine. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. Like, if I had to choose between the two, it would be Devers. I mean, Devers is... not even the age, Brian. It, it, even if they were the same age... I, I agree with you. I know. I I agree with you, Mike. But I, I don't know why you gotta get rid of one of them. I think you can keep both. You're supposed to be the Red Sox, right? We just heard the Warriors oh, ownership group talking I, about after right. the game. The Warriors spent more money on the basketball team than anybody else in the league because their ownership group is rich. The Red Sox are making a ton right. of money. Why can't you pay both? Oh. I don't care if you get hey, penalized. Keep them both. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's not like they charge two dollars for a hot dog when you go to a game. I agree with you. They should sign both. <laughs> But, but, but the thing is, and they're selling the out Fenway for the Celtics. I mean, yeah. they got a new business now. You can you can sell, have a Patriots watch party at Fenway next year. Let's go. Hey, Brian, I never told you this, but because you said the first COVID was the real COVID. Yeah, I had a scope. That was on my face. Wait, say I, that I'm again, lucky Mike. To be alive. Sorry, Mike. You broke I up. I had the COVID. No, the first COVID yeah. I had it so bad, Brian. I didn't think I was going to make it. Yeah. But you did. I'll tell you. Yeah, I, in December of 20, I, I, w- I can't even describe how how sick you feel. And Horrible. when you can't breathe, there's not worse. Horrible. So you you got the the COVID before it even, like, was a pandemic, technically. No, no. Oh. I got it in December of the year it came out. Oh, in, yeah. So March 20. Okay. Yeah. You got it. Right, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got have, it in January, Mike. Were, I got it in January. Did you go in the hospital? I was in the hospital for oh, seven man. days. No, I didn't have to go to the hospital. That's unfortunate, though, Mike. I'm glad you made it. Yeah, that's 50-50 for a lot of people. But as yeah. long as you care, Brian, that's all that matters. Hey, we got you, Mike. That's what I care about. All right, be good. All right, you too, my friend. Great stuff from Mike. Yeah, that first COVID, I mean, that was scary. Not for me. I feel bad for Mike that he had to go through that. But, hey, he made it. He's listening to Red Sox Review. He'll be back with us tomorrow, I'm sure, as well. Oh, by the way, Brad Show tomorrow. Me and Rob Bradford, 4 to 6. And then I'm going to have Red Sox pregame. So if you want to weigh in on the Red Sox more tomorrow, make sure you tune in to me and Brad for 4 to 6. Thanks to Ethan. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.